This episode of Horror Movie Talk brought to you by MoviePass, the largest and most popular movie subscription service offering unlimited, sorry, that's three movies a month for the low fee of 15, no, uh, 9.99, no, wait, four, fifty. okay, definitely 9.95 a month. For 9.95 a month, you can see any m- any one of seven movies in theaters near you. That's right. Movie Pass. Sign up now before you can't. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, the horror movie podcast where two schlubby guys talk about spoopy movies with your hosts Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, an angry man who is always right. This podcast is for lovers of horror movies, old and new, that want to hear about what's in theaters, what's streaming, fresh takes on old classics, and terrible horror movies that are bad enough to be good. I'm Bryce Hansen. And I'm David Day. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, just at the top of the show, want to remind you that we have a website. It's called HorrorMovieTalk.com. Check it out. And while you're at it, if you're sitting at your computer, we're also on social media, or if you're on your phone, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Facebook, pl- Twitter. Hit we us make up. it pretty easy. Facebook, we're Horror Movie Talk Podcast, and Twitter, we're at Horror Movie Talk. Uh, we post new episodes of Horror Movie Talk every Wednesday, every week. Subscribe and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. That'll really help us out. Today, we're going to be talking about The Nun, and the way the episode works out, we give a brief overview of a movie. And we give a score on a scale of 1 to 10. Scale being? 1 is horrible. Very, very bad. A movie you don't want to go see. And 5 is average. It's a passable movie. It hits all the right beats. And a 10 is is like the best. It is. It, this is a movie that will be remembered for a long, long time. Like The Godfather or The Exorcist. Right. Um, later we'll be doing a couple bits. We do taglines where we come up with taglines that we think are better suited for the movie than the uh, marketing people that thought up the existing taglines. Also, we have horror movie news and it came from social media. Thanks again for listening. Let's get into the show. Good energy. (coughs) So we went and saw the nun, the latest in the conjuring franchise, and personally, I don't think David's going to agree with me, but out of the films that I've seen, I think this one's my favorite. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah. Well, 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 we need to go over what you've... Well, before we go to the trailer, what which ones have you seen of this? I've seen The Conjuring and Annabelle Beginnings or Annabelle Origins. Or yeah, whatever. we went to see that last year, the yeah. Annabelle one. You, you liked this more than you liked The Conjuring. I think The Conjuring, to me, was hyped up, probably specifically by you. Probably. Just saying. Because I remember we talked about how much we like paranormal activity. Just, I, I like every single one of those, and people constantly shit on those found footage movies, but I love them. Me too. And The Conjuring was kind of, I know snooty horror movie fans look down their noses at it, because it's... Do all, they really? All quote unquote jump scares. I don't know. I maybe I, maybe I'm maybe I'm not on the ball with the the room <laughs> of, yeah, I mean, of horror movie fans, but I felt like they 
it was you know a general audience thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't know. It was a it was a re- yeah it was um I mean it was it was good enough. Okay. Anyway, so Anyways. let's uh let's listen to the trailer of the nun. I had a series of visions when I was younger, and after each one ended, the same thought would be stuck in my head. What did you see? I saw a nun. visions reached the church and I was asked to accompany a priest to an abbey in Romania the abbey has a long history not all good what God ends here The Nun can be found in theaters now, at probably any theater close to you. Set in 1952, a Romanian convent is tormented by an evil presence. A tragedy involving a young nun gets the Vatican's attention, and they send in Father Burke, played by Damien Bashir. Uh, you might know him from uh, The Hateful Eight. He was Bob the Mexican. Yeah, I, I've, I, I remember him from such films as... Uh, there's a number of films... I can't. I think he was in Pan's Labyrinth. He might have been, um, and he was also an Alien Con- Covenant. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Alien Convent. Convent. <laughs> <laughs> the next in the Alien franchise, Alien Convent. The crossover you've yeah. all been waiting for. Um, anyways, they tell him the Vatican tells him to take along a young novitiate, Sister Irene. Um, she. The only thing I've saw that she was in was sam in the bling ring so if you're a fan of emma watson she was the gifts, character sam in yeah. the movie the bling ring yeah so you know that that gif of emma watson dancing oh yeah it's from the bling ring oh, oh. Yeah. that's probably more famous than the actual movie yeah i don't need to watch the movie i can just watch the gif i'm good <laughs> so uh sister irene is said to know the territory yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then we should talk like, about that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, when they arrive at the convent, they're met with a low-key Pepe Le Pew imitator named Frenchie. The biggest twist comes when we learn that Frenchie is actually French-Canadian. Dun-dun-dun! Actually, they find out that the convent is super creepy, and the superstitious townsfolk deem it cursed. Yeah, they all spit yeah. whenever they talk about the convent there in, uh, in Romania. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not off. The convent is haunted by an ancient demon that comes in the form of a fucking scary looking nun, as you've seen in the trailer. One of the most one of the most effective 
bad guys in re- in in recent history uh in my memory anyway right. like as far as just like you know freddy krueger just had that like cult right. following he like there you could not get away from freddy krueger in the in the late 80s early 90s like yeah, it was one, so popular <laughs> it's one of those situations where it's based on a creepy painting yeah and the creepy painting is super effective so like you effective could just look at the painting and be like i don't want to look at this yeah it's it is visual i don't want to get anywhere near this it's like the it's like it has the same feeling as like looking at a spider you just kind of go oh yeah i'm not gonna fuck with that um, as they investigate the history of the convent and the recent happenings, it is revealed that the situation is much more dire than originally suspected. Um, so me and David are divided on this one slightly. Um, we actually didn't see it together. This is very divisive. This is the first time that we've gone individually because I used MoviePass on Thursday. I quit I quit MoviePass recently. Um, I so. wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> It just was it just was weird for me like like if anybody's not familiar with MoviePass it's a subscription service that gets you into movies. No, we had the ad at the top of the at the top of the show. Right. Should, they are now. Right. Well, yeah, I mean that should give you some idea of what MoviePass is, but it's it's degraded over over the past year. It's gone up, it's gone down, it's gone all over sideways. Anyway, I, I had to get rid of it because it's just it's it feels like it's circling the drain at this point. Anyway, so I went to see it last night with my brother. Um last night is like like the friday night of opening bryce went to see it the thursday night of like real opening like true hardcore well yeah i mean in hollywood the opening is friday even though they show it at seven o'clock on thursdays now right it feels like that has morphed in the past five years i don't know in the past like two years oh okay because i i remember opening like okay so like for big movies like lord of the rings and stuff like that where people would camp out to to like watch a movie i remember opening night was thursday night at midnight yeah you know 1201 yeah and now that's now it just means opening on friday means get to watch it thursday night any old time seven o'clock whatever yeah yeah it was weird i was when (laughs) It was on the marquee at the theater, but when I left, I check was checking. I don't know why I was. I would, oh yeah, I was trying to check what the rating of the nun was because it felt like it could be a PG thirteen, and it's an R. I didn't realize that, but I can't put my finger on what necessarily makes it an R. You and I uh, dif- differ on this movie in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Slight, albeit slightly, I felt that it was a a, a, a decent R. Yeah. Um, not a lot of, no language that I can think of all, um, yeah, there's enough, there's enough gore and, and, uh, not gore. I, I guess it's not gore. There's like a little bit of blood. There's like scratches on her skin and that's it. Yeah. Well, no, that's not true. There's, I mean, then there's a, there's spoiler. a, <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that point to, um, you know that for me make this a like a pretty solid R because yeah. I would not want a thirteen year old kid necessarily. I mean, look as far I'm not saying that I'm like against it because I'm not. I'm just saying as far as the history of ratings go, this this falls in line pretty easily with an R. Hmm. Yeah i I was surprised that it was PG thirteen. So, uh, anyways, getting to kind of my review, I thought it was great. 
I'm like I said, I only saw the Conjuring and Annabelle Origins. What what is it called? Is it the Beginnings? Annabelle yeah, I think it's a, I think it's Origin. Annabelle Origin. And I remember listening to people talking about how great Annabelle Origin was, and I thought it was god awful. When the we second saw it. Annabelle. Yeah, no, I should yeah. be clear. Annabelle Origin is the second Annabelle movie. Right. The first is just Annabelle. Yeah, and which I thought was much better than Annabelle Origins. I've seen really? all, I've seen all the movies in this in this series. I I was swept off my feet by Conjuring because it was like a breath of fresh air for yeah. horror movies. I thought. Um, yeah, Annabelle Origins. When I'm reading on Reddit, it seems like everyone says Annabelle's terrible and Annabelle Origins redeemed itself. And I just remember thinking. Disagree. This is completely a mess. So, anyways, uh, and then The Conjuring. When I saw it, it was kind of overblown. Just everyone said it was it was great. That told me to watch it, and then I watched it. And it's like it's okay. It's, it's a good tension movie. It's a good good tension movie. Yeah, and uh, with tasteful jump scares thrown in, right. not willy nilly. So that's I mean that's pretty much how I describe the nun. Is is that I mean it does what it's going out to do really well in terms of jump scares and stuff. I know I... <laughs> David's making a face. I'm making faces over here. <laughs> uh, I mean, I thought the scares were effective and had some good moments of levity. I know I laughed a couple times from Frenchie. Um, the director, Corn Hardy, does a great job uh, directing. This is only his second feature film. I'm actually kind of interested in seeing his other movie. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's basically about fairies. Okay. <laughs> haunting <laughs> haunting people and doing crazy stuff. It's written by James Wan, who is the director of the first two Conjurings and the writer of Saw. Uh, I thought the script was tight, even though at times it was bluntly expository. <laughs> like, they just said, okay, now we're just going to tell you. Yeah. The history of everything. And then we can go on with the jump scares. The acting is okay, but takes a backseat to the creepy production design and effective editing. I gave it seven out of ten. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna just just for for sake of uh of I don't know, a different a, a different viewpoint, uh I, I'm gonna disagree with you on mildly on pretty much every one of those points. I thought it was <laughs> um I, I did not think it was terribly effective. It Okay, so I should I should preface this by saying I like The Conjuring. I like The Conjuring too. I like the first Annabelle. I did not like Animal or Annabelle Origins really at all. So, if you disagree with any of those thoughts, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But um, I didn't think it was tight. I thought it was kind of slapdash. I thought it was, uh, you know, there was it was primarily just a kind of a cheap feeling jump scare movie that it was. Build tension, jump scare. Build tension, jump jump scare. Build tension, jump scare. And then, ah, good feel ending. Like, and then bad feel ending. Um, so, I, I mean, it, I, so I'll give you this. I like it because it advances the story of the Conjuring universe. Right. And so it gets an extra little bump from me. I give it a 6 out of 10. Otherwise, if it weren't in the Conjuring universe... I would uh I would I would probably end up giving it a 5 but I enjoy that universe and the story told in this enough to to be like okay yeah I'll give this a 6. Right. I think when I'm 
talking about the script being tight. I mean, I guess it's not really tight. It's, it's <laughs> tight in that it actually has characters and it actually has a plot, unlike Annabelle Origins. Yeah. I remember Annabelle Origins, my, uh, my major takeaway was, why am I supposed to care about any of these people? It does. It gives no backstory other than, all right, here's a bus full of orphans. You feel for them because they don't have a parent. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. And jump scares happen, and doesn't really explain. I don't know. Does I, if it explained anything about Annabelle? I don't remember it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, so we disagree. But we're only a point off on our rating anyways. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting to see if that continues. Because we've never really been much more than a point apart. And I, it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues. I want to <laughs> see a movie wh- where one of us just loves it and the other one's just like, this was shit. Right. Well, I know I, I wrote my review and then I went and read some other reviews. And I was like, oh, I... I guess I felt differently than a lot of people because I thought it was good. Well, it's good that you. I, I think it's good that you like maintain the the integrity of your original thought. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. We aren't just for sale around here <laughs> at Horror Movie Talk. All right, let's get into Spoilers. All right, so uh, at this point on, we're going to be talking about plot Stuff points that... in the movie, spoilers. So if you're going to go see The Nun, you can skip ahead. We'll, we'll put uh, time code stamps on the uh, blog post so you can skip forward if you want. Yeah. I can't tell you right now because we're recording the episode. Yeah. You do we the don't, math. We don't know yeah. what the math is yet. So... This movie is tied back to The Conjuring 2, so the the main demon in The Conjuring 2 is Valak. Valak, who is the 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 defiler, mm. the yeah, the the gross the like the the demon of gross shit. Yeah. He's a bad guy. Yeah. Um and they the only real connective tissue is it shows the um, what's the couple's name? Ed and Lorraine Warren, the Warrens. Yeah, the Warren couple is shown giving a presentation as they're wont to do, talking about scamming people <laughs> out of money, and they they just briefly give an introduction to the creepy painting, and then it quickly goes into. The nun. Yeah, there's movie. a few shots. There's a few shots from The Conjuring, and I think The Conjuring too. I, n- maybe not The Conjuring. I can't recall specifically where they came from. Definitely Conjuring two. Um, and uh, so it does that, and then at the yeah. very end, the tail of the movie, they show. Oh, um, I guess basically how how they got in contact with Valak. Yeah. It tips the it tips your hat it tips its hat to the 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 Warrens right. Um, <clears throat> so it starts out. There's um scene where these nuns are going into a dark dark hallway and then oh you mean the crucifix basement 
Yeah, the crucifix basement. Yeah. And one of them dies and hands her a creepy key. And then the nun... The crucifix key? The crucifix key. And then the nun commits suicide to save herself from being possessed by this... Then she opens the crucifix door and gets eaten by... um, (laughs) We don't know yet. Um, And then the nun who witnessed her, like, getting dragged off into this horrible portal to hell uh, that exists underneath... Shocker. Uh, some part of the Catholic of a Catholic building, um, she runs away. The mm-hmm. one who's witnessed it, and then she jumps out a window and kills herself mm-hmm. by hanging by the neck mm-hmm. to avoid being possessed by Valak, right? I, presumably. And so the groundskeeper um, notifies the Vatican, I guess, and the Vatican sends off a priest and a, a nun in training. They're called novitiates. If you haven't, uh, if, if you're, you're not, not Catholic, all, all Catholic-y. or if you haven't seen the movie The Novitiate, which probably no one has, I really thought they were movie. gonna. I thought they were gonna. They, like they made so many nods to her being not a nun yet. They were like, "So you're not a nun yet?" And she's like, "Nope." And they're like, "What's that about? Why aren't you a nun yet?" And she's like, "You know, didn't do the things to become a nun yet." And, <laughs> and then, and then, and then, like seemingly, she's this chosen one, like kind of like a virgin symbol throughout the movie, like not even a nun yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, and then nothing. Then that's it. For, like, for, they put so much emphasis on her not becoming a nun, and then she becomes a nun at the end. I was like, I thought that was, like, the thing that was going to save her or something like that. Right. I thought the uh, the thing that I thought when I was watching it, I was like, okay, they cast this nun because she looks almost exactly like the lady that plays uh, Mrs. Warren in, uh-huh. in The Conjuring. Uh, and I thought... Well, I don't remember the plot of the Conjuring very much, or the backstory of the Warrens. Is this actually her when she's young? Because I thought it was within, could have been within the time frame. Oh, that's I thought, an like, interesting. Oh, thought. she's she was a novitiate, and then she had this experience, and then she went on to become. She decided not to become a nun and work in paranormal. But stuff. she's not. She's not. But she's not the Lorraine Warren. No, it has no connection whatsoever. Not even like mother or anything. And then this <laughs> girl. This girl. I, this. I'm sorry. This girl looks just like a lot of people to me. Like there's a girl in high. She looks just like a girl that I knew in high school. And then, come to think of it, people people that I've known throughout. Like she has a, just a very mm-hmm. recognizable face. Right. And I was looking up on IMDb when I was making notes for the show. And the the name of the the protagonist in the nun is Tasa Farmiga, and I was looking up. I was writing down Tasa Farmiga looks a lot like Vera Farmiga. Oh, I, th- I think it's her daughter. Oh, like, wait. So, so Vera Farmiga is Farmiga is the is Elizabeth Warren or it's Elizabeth Warren, right? Elizabeth Warren in The Conjuring, and so they've got the same last name. They look exactly alike. She's just a little younger, so I'm assuming that's her daughter. It's Lorraine Warren. Lorraine Warren. So the lady that plays Lorraine Warren, in real life, her daughter is the, I think, the one that plays the the nun in the, the novitiate nun. in the nun. Oh, okay. Now I understand. So there is a real life um, relation 
you know, so Lorraine Warren, the 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 actress who plays Lorraine Warren, is the mother of the actress who plays the novitiate. Yes, that's a much more concise way to put it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, if not, that is a huge coincidence that they look exactly alike and have the same last name. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Or maybe she just needed to take that name to be in the Conjuring universe. I mean, they are building a pretty tight thing. I, mean, I wouldn't put it past them. Um, I thought in terms of direction and the the visuals of the movie, I thought that was the strong suits. I thought, oh yeah, I thought the directing was good. Um, the cuts and the jump scares were timed really well i totally agree um to me it didn't seem as cheap because they weren't stacked back to back to back to back in a lot of that they do in a lot of movies oh it it could be yeah it could be bad like it it was not bad in any way shape or form it was just a jump scare movie for the most part to me but but you're absolutely right like first of all i don't know if it was actually shot in romania but it was beautiful like Wow. Like, it, it, at night, during the day, like, I kind of wish you had more day stuff going on and big panning shots because it was so pretty. And it made me want to just go to Romania or Transylvania, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. When they're riding on a donkey cart to the convent. Yeah. It was just beautiful. Just really great vistas and shots from, from a distance of the forest and the surrounding landscape and it was it was really really cool rich deep forest yeah it was uh it was a setting that i wish they made a little bit more utilization they utilized a little bit more because it was so pretty and um and don't get me wrong i mean i think the setting of the whole movie was awesome like that nunnery or whatever that place is um that's one of the things that when I watch the the Conjuring, or some of these other horror movies where it's just based in someone's house, mm-hmm. it looks like a fucking creepy house. Like yeah. all the lights are super dim, and everything has tons of shadows. And if you step back, you're wondering who would live like that. Yeah, get some lights in here. You know, get. Th- there's a part open of me, a window. There's a part open of me the that shades. suspends my disbelief a lot. In those sort of scenarios, because I don't know how it was in the 70s. <laughs> I tend to believe that the 50s were black and white, black and white. Like, it's just a thing that happens in, like, visual media with my brain where I go, oh, this is in the 50s. So things might have been in black and white back then. And and it's just a, a subconscious connection that I make. And so I'm like, yeah, okay, the 70s. Uh, and then I go, um chainsaw or the uh the texas chainsaw massacre and then i go okay yep it's dark in the 70s yeah i i mean it's it's all to say that i couldn't see it didn't feel like people were living in those houses it was more set designed to look creepy and have a lot of unease built it wasn't None of these houses are comfy in in these horror movies where it's based in a house. Um, there's a lot of antiques and a lot of dusty brown Doilies. stuff and lots of shadows and lots of corners that aren't lit whatsoever. Because, but, but what about the nun? The nun in see it, it's based in this creepy old convent, which 
has not, to be creepy. It has to be creepy. It, it has no choice. It's lit by candles. Right. I mean, it does the work for you. Yeah, they did a good job of setting up the scene, um, being like, you know, when they met the Frenchie, he was like, oh, welcome to the Middle Ages, man. Like, the world hasn't reached this place yet. I think it was set in the 50s. Um, cause it was clearly after the war. Yeah. It was 1952. Because, yeah. And, uh, and so he was, you know, that he was like, but you know, this is like a, a time portal, you know, that like, it's just too rugged to get electricity out here and there's not really any running water and the nunnery is deep in the forest primeval. So even worse there. So they did a good job of kind of like setting up the, a, a believable premise for, why things were basically the stone ages once they got to uh to the to the nunnery what is the what is it what what was this place they went uh, it was a big castle yeah it was a big it was a medieval castle that was turned into a convent yeah i think in the movie they they call it the abbey yeah um i don't think there's actually a difference um i don't know if you're catholic tell tell me what the difference between an abbey and a convent is because i don't think there is one it's also, a place with a bunch of nuns. And and the one um, thing that I do understand is this is a cloistered convent, meaning that it's completely separated. All the nuns are basically completely separated from the world. There's no real con- contact. So that's a thing? Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Why? Especially, especially back then. Why? Um... So, so this, no is, this is so nuns. I don't know. I I, I think it's. <laughs> I I read if you uh, read if you read uh, Les Misérables, the book, the unabridged version. There's a great explanation of life within a nunnery. Or if you see the Novitiate, that's also another one that you kind of get a feel of what's what's life like for nuns in a convent. Yeah, spoilers. I... It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers, it's not cool. Yeah, no, that makes sense. A big building full of women in times where where it was hard to get in contact with other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the... It's basically to set them apart and sanctify them, because they're all brides of Christ, and they're all just completely consecrating their lives to this purpose. Con- so they, they don't want to be involved i mean in this situation they they don't want to be involved or tainted by the world i'm trying to channel my religious mind right into to the reasons why but i don't know no that makes perfect sense um and it's and it's a very interesting uh i'm it's a very interesting premise you know because it's like oh man like being all alone way Mm -hmm. out there with not a lot of other people and it's used it's used to good effect in this movie. Yeah, it definitely is. Because there's I mean well we'll leave that spoiler till later, but um let's talk about Frenchie. I, I called like, I called Frenchie Pepe Le Pew in it, the beginning. Low key Pepe Le Pew in the in his introduction to um Sister Irene and Father whatever his name is. But he's not he's not French, he's French Canadian. So you're, you're wrong already. Right. But his his nickname is Frenchy. And <laughs> he comes on to Sister Irene Pretty and, heavily. He's like, And hey, I baby. was unnerved by the fact that he did not wear pants. You you didn't in the like, first scene. Yeah. Well, is something there's something upsetting about just long johns that are really heavily stained. Right. <laughs> you know? He shows up all 
in just straight up long johns, like straight out of bed. And you know, it's just white long johns that have a lot of coffee stains or what yeah. you hope are coffee stains. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, I got that same that same fee- right. fees. So, I mean, if you think about it, he is the sole employee for this convent that's not a nun. You know, he's the he's the the groundskeeper and the farmer or whatever. He provides food to the convent. He's the delivery service of, the, for the food. Right. You would think if the official visitors from the Vatican showed up on your doorstep and woke you up, you'd be like, oh. Time to put on some time pants. Time to put on some pants. Not Frenchie. No. No, he's going to... He, like, comes on to the nun... And then after it's revealed, he doesn't realize that she's a nun. She's in plain clothes. Well, she's not a nun. She's not a nun. She, he like, comes on to the novitiate. So there's still. So you tell me there's a chance. <laughs> and after he learns that she's a nun in training, you would think he'd put on some pants. But nope. He leads him on a tour of the garden and feeds his chickens and all the animals in these floppy long john, stained long johns. And I was ver- that was one of the most unnerving things in the movie for me. Just like Frenchie put some pants on. Yeah, you relate pretty heavily to him. Yeah. Being like But you know, I mean he was a confident man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got that going for him. So instantaneously I can't like I shouldn't <laughs> I should I shouldn't uh uh relate too heavily to him. Right. <laughs> did how did you feel about Frenchie as the the comedic relief of this movie? He was great. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was there was there was no um uh actor actress or character in this movie that bothered me right um other than the other than valak yeah who very much who bothered me a lot yeah yeah the uh the scenes that i laughed at in this movie were all frenchy scenes there was a couple great moments <laughs> he's a he's attacked in the cemetery, <laughs> the poorly laid out cemetery. <laughs> so that's another thing in, in horror movies. The creepiest cemeteries in the world. Whoever whoever plans cemeteries for horror movies um, does not have, what do you call them? Chalk lines. Yeah, they, yeah, it's... <laughs> they just like, let's just put them over there. Ah. They, they just like uh, chuck a body... The, the, somewhere the crucifix delivery man shows up and he's like hey where would you like these crucifixes and and the guy Just in charge generally of, over there and the guy in charge of it is like what is it on like a dump uh, like a dump cart like can you just dump it out on the ground? And he's like, "Well, yeah, but if you would like them, he's like, just dump it, just just <laughs> just crap all over this place. You know, there's just going to be just crucifixes. There was more crucifixes in this movie than I've ever seen in any movie yeah this movie was crucifixed it there were they were everywhere and they didn't do any good <laughs> it's yeah. like the fucking crosses everywhere Ah, eh, who cares <laughs> yeah he's frenchy says that the townsfolk says that the crosses in the cemetery around keep the evil in not out but obviously not i mean evil still gets out yeah at least at the cemetery yeah so anyways the the moment that i loved is frenchie is getting attacked by valak and is in the graveyard (laughs) scared 
to death and the just at some point he picks up one of these crosses from the graveyard and so it's yeah this comically large cross and he, he just, just starts slowly backing out of the cemetery <laughs> yeah he grabs somebody's essentially someone's headstone but it's it's made of wood and he just like backs out and he's like fuck this place i got a, i got me a cross i'm out and it's so great i mean now that i think of it that is so great that it could be improvised yeah if he was in the scene just take one of these prop i mean if you think about it, that's shocking how easy it would be for him to just take one of these grave markers yeah uh, they're you know supposed to be permanent Nothing in this place was terribly permanent. But yeah, they are supposed to be. And yeah. And it was hilarious. It worked very well. Right. You know, I should mention, so I, I did go see this with my brother. And and I love watching movies with my brother because he, uh, he he's constantly evaluating every action based on how he would react, which is... How he would do it, which is, I mean, to be honest, it's how it's it's kind of how I watch movies as well. But with him, it's it's all vocalized. So <laughs> so it's like, don't go down that. Don't why you saw a creepy person down that thing. Why are you going down that thing? Don't go there. You saw a scary thing. Why are you going that way? And this movie was just laden with that shit. It was it was a lot of. Very obvious pulls for the characters, right? There's like, here's a fish hook, bite it. And then they <laughs> bite it, and then they're dragged slowly towards whatever the spooky thing is. And you're like, don't don't go down there. Don't go down there. Yeah, you the, could just avoid this whole thing if you just didn't do that. Yeah, for example, throughout most of the movie, they're all separated. The Frenchie, the priest, and and sister irene yeah are separated and which then is another point, one that it's like don't separate yeah they they eventually get all together and you think okay stronger together now we can face this and they have a couple scenes where they're joined together and experiencing all the happenings and helping each other and then in true horror movie fashion when they go down to the creepiest part of of the uh, the cross basement and try are trying to co- confront Volok just inexplicably they're separated quick we must split up <laughs> it has to if we don't split up now when will we split up they don't even bother giving a reason for why they split up they're just at some point they split up it's just and and it's like it's it's just by felicia they just walk away <laughs> they just walk away from each other and you go hey no yeah. What do you do? This is the scariest part of the place. And they're like, all right, well, I'm going to go this. They don't even say I'm going to go this way. They just walk away from each right. other <laughs> on screen, walk away from each other. And it's like, what? Hey, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's an interesting tactic because the the alternative is the horror movie trope of we got to split up so we can find it quicker. Yeah, it's better that they didn't say, let's split up now, which is surprising that they didn't because there's several of those types of lines there's a line by sister irene where she says let me find it i wrote it down oh no where is it oh we need to find the portal and seal it (laughs) (laughs) like okay 
We're on board. You've moved it along quite sufficiently. Right. <laughs> I imagine James Wan, while he's writing the script of this, just saying, how can I get them to convey that they need to find the portal and seal it? I know. I'll have her say, we need to find the portal and seal it. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Way to go. So, uh, yeah, um, a, a, a little bit of backstory. So the they sister Irene and father, what, what's the father's name? Father Burke is called by the Vatican to take sister Irene with him. He is told she's familiar with the territory. And then he meets Sister Irene, and he says, They said you're familiar with the territory. You been to Romania much? She's like, Nah, dog, I've never been there, bro. And then instead of asking a follow-up question, like, What do you think they meant by that? He's just like, like, I'm sure they know. It's, you know... The Vatican doesn't make mistakes. (laughs) God works in mysterious ways. (laughs) I mean, he, he basically says, Well, the Vatican has its reasons for everything that it does. So I'm sure that you'll be useful. Like, All right. So that's the extent of your conversation. Let's go. Time to go to Romania, mm-hmm. which is no small, small undertaking. It's like several plane rides and then a horse drawn carriage ride and then a good hike. And then, then you're in hell. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So they get to the convent, they're greeted by a super creepy and croaky mother superior that you can't see her face at all or anything because yeah, she's she, completely covered. That was effective. She was upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't like being around her. I didn't like the feel that she was just places there, you know, that she was just right. kind of there. And, like, they'd they'd be walking through someplace being like, hello, hey, hello, is anybody here? Anybody? And then they just keep walking, and then she'd be like, "Hey!" And go, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the mother superior that was outside the gate to greet them, or she was just in some kind of weird throne chair, yeah, facing the doorway, the door. not even not even facing out, yeah, facing like inward the toward the inside convent. door. So they they pass her, and then she's like, "Who goes there?" And they're like, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. We don't need you here. Tell the Vatican. Everything's A-OK. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the Vatican everything's A-OK. That's nope. Nothing evil here. We're peachy cane. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> so they they meet her and and they since it's a cloistered convent at sundown they close everything down and they they don't even have any open doors. And so they spend the night in some I guess other creepy church that's on the ground. Yeah, it's just uh yeah, I mean they show an above shot of the whole place and you see it kind of off to the uh just off to the side by 100 yards or so. Right. And they don't waste any time. Almost immediately they get attacked by the demon Father Burke. This was this is confusing to me. So Father Burke, he has a backstory here which yeah. is he 
Father Burke has a backstory, which is in uh, so he is part of a small group of miracle finders for the Vatican, which is kind of another way of saying a guy who performs exorcisms, you know, seeks out weird shit and then, you know, helps uh, uncover it for the church. And um, and so in a previous uh, experience, one of his earlier experiences uh, in doing so, he comes across a a um, a boy who he determines to be possessed and then he exercises him. And uh, the boy ends up uh, sustaining t- too much trauma during the exorcism and dies a few days later. Well, this boy comes back in this movie to haunt him, mm-hmm. which I don't know why, why he does that. Well, in the end, it's just Valak using their own fears against them. Okay, so this this. So then, in that case, this is starting to make sense because in the Conjuring Two, Valak used the Crooked Man to, who is another kind of like spirit, as like a, uh, as like a, um, uh, what do you what do you call something that is that's like a scapegoat, right? Mm-hmm. He 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 uses the Crooked Man to essentially tr- try and consolidate his power or, or to to some effect. And in this movie, he kind of does the same thing with uh, this boy who, who's who been exercised. Like, I think the priest believes that it's, that he's at least partially fighting, you know, whatever demon possessed this boy. Right. Or he's led, he's, yeah, he's uh, led into it deeper by the vision of this boy. So when they're sleeping, Father Burke wakes up and he sees the, this ghost of the kid that he exercised and killed accidentally. And he follows it out to the graveyard, and then he gets buried alive. And it's inexplicably buried alive. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he he gets scared, falls into a grave, and now it's covered with dirt and grass, instantly. Yeah, and it was it, very confusing because it was a surreal moment where yes, all of a sudden it's completely covered with ground and turf, like it wasn't disturbed at all. And then fa- then Sister Irene wakes up. So to me, I was it's thinking, magic. It's magic. Well, I was thinking, oh, it's her dream, because it does a hard cut to her waking up. I it, was like, oh, it is definitely she's just having a vision because she's a visionary, and then she goes out and nope, he's actually buried alive. Yes, it actually happened. It is a jarring part of the movie. It is, it is jarring because it's there. There might be a better way to do that, right? There might be a better way to. To execute him falling into a grave, it being covered and looking like it's 100 years old and has never been touched. Like, not a fresh grave. There might be a better way to do it. Right. If they had not... So this is the better way. If they had not shown it before she woke up, if it showed him falling into the grave and the lid shutting, hard cut to her waking up, then it would be like, oh, she's just waking up and this has happened. Mm -hmm. And then when she shows up... The bell is ringing. the The plague bell is ringing, and you're like, "What the fuck? It's it's completely covered. How did that happen? That yes. would have been more effective." Yes, it would have. And then afterwards, had they address, had she been like, "How did you get in this grave? the 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 you know the dirt the soil wasn't wasn't like fresh. It was it was covered over with grass, sod. Like it, you know, it, it wasn't fresh." And he was like. If he had said something to the effect of, oh, the evil here is strong or the magic behind the, you know, then I, it wouldn't have been quite so jarring. But it was, it was a part of the movie that, that I needed to heavily suspend my disbelief. So, 
Um, in terms of tactics, I don't think Valak was thinking very hard when he throws the priest into the one coffin that contains the evil <laughs> volumes yeah. that describe how the history of the convent <laughs> or the history of Valak himself. Yeah. So when he gets out of the grave, he looks back and there's the skeleton holding, you know, the the creepy two volumes of demonic literature or whatever. It's almost as if Valak wanted to progress the story of the movie more than he wanted to possess people. Valak is concerned about the viewers above all. Above all. Um so it what's what's the Yeah, these books are basically like the Necronomicon. Yeah, it's very much this is this is the evil shit I did and here's how I did it. Yeah. With drawings. Right. <laughs> Just like same thing as in Hereditary, all of a sudden she finds all these demonic books. Yeah, spoilers in, in, on Hereditary in her uh, in her grandma's belongings. Yeah, like you'd never noticed that before. Never <laughs> once. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and so, um, skipping forward, they they give the actual history of the lock and the possession of the convent pretty ham-handedly <laughs> yeah and i'm a hundred percent sure that they did it a different way originally and then had to reshoot it or to fill it in or make it more concise because how it's done is sister irene is talking to one of the one of the other nuns in the convent and it's obviously ADR, so after post post production dialogue recording, because all of the lines that are said in that scene where she's describing the happens happenings of Valak being released, you don't see the person talking; you see the person reacting to the person talking. Yeah, so it shoots the back of their head while they're talking, and then it, it lays out. Okay, well, the reason why we're being haunted is because this evil duke that lived in this ancient castle studied witchcraft and evil stuff and he tries to summon out evil you know it's something to do on a saturday night and and right as he's summoning out the gooey evil from the cracks in the ground yeah then the catholic church shows up yeah the the crusaders the crusade shows up Right. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Like seriously, I mean it was it was that blatant. Yeah, it just, was just like Everybody freeze! This is the Crusaders <laughs> They're like stuff that evil back in that ground. You get Move. back in there. You get back in there. Goopy shit. And then they they use this ancient relic. Which, I mean, literally, when this happened, I was thinking of Monty Python. I turned to and Garrett and I Grail. go, "It's the Holy hang, hand Grenade of Antioch." Right. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course, the Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. It is one of the sacred relics Brother Maynard carries with him. Brother Maynard, bring up the Holy Hand Grenade. <laughs> Pie 
So, I mean, that was my immediate thought. I mean, when I looked up the clip, it looks almost exactly the same. It's yeah. It must be. There must be a. There must be a, a, a real Catholic relic that looks like this. Sure. Because it, it, or or they just wanted to give a hard nod to Monty Python. Right. They, one of those two things. Right. So the the relic looks like it's this glass globe, and within it is a cross that contains that contains the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, so they, the blood of Christ. Holy shit. The holiest. Right. <laughs> Another great line from the movie. <laughs> Holy shit. The holiest. Yeah. yeah. Um so they pour out the blood and that seals the demon back in until <laughs> until the flimsiest reason <laughs> that a demon could ever get out of a castle comes along, which is bombing raids in World War II. Why were they bombing that castle in the middle of nowhere? We may never know. <laughs> Why were they were were the axis against the, the Catholic Church at some point? That might go go to explain some of this. But yeah, it was. Why would they do a bombing run out here? And furthermore, why would a bombing run open up a, a yeah? So the the, the ground the, for a demon to come the, out of it. It's pretty. I mean, if you were the Catholic Church and you just sealed back the floor to keep out demons maybe like put another couple layers of concrete yeah let's get let's get a few layers of bondo on that please yeah because the the bombers jostle the ground and the cracks open up and then oops demon demon's back are you damn nazis it's very it's maybe it's just a nod to wolfenstein that's what they should have done they should have made the nazis bring it out that would have been the easiest that would have been much better than a bombing run they should have had you know uh, what's his name? The Angel of Death come through there and be like, yeah, it's time to enact my evil plan of bringing the demons forth to the world. That will help us. Yeah, it would, would have been great. It would have been totally um, the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. uh, Indiana Jones. And that, what is that movie called? I just blanked. The... The Raiders of the Lost Ark? Raiders of the Lost Ark, jeez. Yeah, so it would have been totally Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nazis want to take advantage of this evil, vast power, and then they bring it up, and then it kills them all. You that would have been... welcome the Conjuring I series. Know. Wink, wink, n- on, nudge, James nudge, you know what I mean? There's, you, could, you could do this. That would have made it a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah, they just say, ah, the, the building got jostled, open up some cracks. And now, now it's infected by the, the worst structural. Evil. The structural integrity of this building is is integral, right. to keeping this demon apparently in the actual ground, right? Um, <clears throat> I would like to discuss for a moment the fact that I was never sure, even at the end of the movie, whether or not there was anyone else in this damn building with. The sister and uh, and uh, and the priest, right? So at that... no point was I ever sure whether anyone else was alive in this building. Right. That was that was one of the things that um we don't have uh, Bryce called it, but I I was thinking to myself as I was watching this when Sister Irene first walks in, it's completely desolate. She's walking the halls, and I'm like. Where are all the nuns? Yeah. Like, this must be a pretty uh, sparsely populated 
convent if she can walk in there for several minutes and not meet a single person. And it was kind of like, remember, we haven't published this episode yet, but one of the earliest episodes we did was the the evil within yeah no, no no it was um, the devil's doorway the devil's doorway oh wait, yeah. no no that was our first episode yeah that was our first episode. so the the devil's doorway we see a bunch of uh women in this magdalene laundry once and then the rest of the time it's there's like one one nun that we yeah. we talk with so it was either maybe two it was either like a budgetary issue where they didn't want to hire a bunch of extras to be nuns. But when Sister Irene's walking around, finally she, she meets a couple nuns. Which which provided me with a little bit of a sigh of relief. I was like, oh good, there will be someone else in this movie. Right. And then quickly I start to realize that that's maybe not the case so much. Right. Like and- she gets taken to, you know, the doors close early or or she misses she misses her... Uh, her chance to go uh, to her room in the other building and she gets locked in to the um, the nunnery with the nuns and they give her her own room and then we never see them and again until they have to until they're maybe they're praying like in all the time to- yeah so they they her interaction with the nuns in the convent is she speaks with a couple of them they kind of gossip she, with her about- she gets like an 80 yard exposition of the the history of the convent and then the big scene where her and a group of the nuns are praying to keep the evil away um all of which unending unending adoration is that what it's called so that's yeah that's another part of some of these cloistered uh convents is someone is constantly praying at the altar at all times and so it's kind of your duty to kneel there and say your hail marys over and over and over for the next eight hours Right. So, anyways, when Father Burke and Frenchie show up, it's revealed that there were no nuns in there with with Sister Irene. Who were all clearly very much there and praying with her. Right. And then, you know, and then the and then the priest comes in and he's like, who are you talking to? And she's like, well, these nuns, <gasps> where are the nuns? And They're there's just all one gone. dead person yeah one very long dead person and she's like oh i must have imagined the nuns so yeah the it's revealed that imaginary all the, nunnery all of the nuns are dead every single one of them and the nun in the very beginning of the movie that hangs herself was the last nun the last nun so even the mother superior that was talking with them it was just Valak talking through a dead body yeah I wish there were people there, to be honest with you. I do. Yeah. It, I, mean, I mean, it was... It's fine. Yeah. But I do wish that there was a little bit more exposition, talking with people, like, yeah, confirming felt, suspicions and... Yeah, it felt like once they got to that part of the movie, they're like, eh, whatever, it'll be better if they just... It was all a dream. It just felt sparse. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, the one thing that I wrote down... The Father Burke, there's <laughs> there's this thing set up from the very beginning where he's doing crossword puzzles and all this stuff. And he talks about, he keeps saying, it's another puzzle. And um, it was like a theme of the movie that's never utilized whatsoever. And I wanted to point out that he was also, he was obsessed with puzzles, but he was also terrible at puzzles. He never, We never yeah. see him complete a 
crossword puzzle. He's yeah. like got three clues in, and he still has to ask the young girl what the solution is. Yeah, to his crossword puzzle. Yeah, that's yeah, a little he was, aside. He was pretty bad at it for someone whose whose sole purpose, <laughs> whose whose actual job is figuring out hard mysteries, you know, supernatural mysteries and stuff like that. Um, he he wasn't very good at his job. Uh, I got a couple things left. So the the costume design, I haven't mentioned that, but I remember watching and I was like, this costume design is really great. It's not something that I usually notice, but in terms of uh, the priest, it was pretty cool silhouette, like the hat. And the I could imagine what that would look like on a page, pitching this movie to studios and it'd be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the you know. Sister Irene and all in white. Something that's kind of been lost in uh, in movies is the um, the dramatic shots, mm-hmm. right? Like I think you think to The Exorcist, and uh, and you know, there's those moments when uh, the the priest would, you know, he'd be there, he he'd be in a dark alley, you know, with maybe a light backlighting him, and you just get his silhouette with his hat on, and you know, he's holding his Bible. You know, and it would just sit there and let you kind of soak in his the vision of him, kind of, and it and it and it left you with kind of a stamp or like a, a vision of, um, you know, of an impressive moment, right. I guess. And yeah. and movies just don't do that anymore, and it's kind of a bummer because, like, especially with a movie like this where they're spot on with their you know, their costume design in a beautiful location and all that stuff. And they give you little dribs and drabs of things that are like, oh, wow, that's pretty. I want to see more of that. Or, oh, wow, that what great costume design. I want to see more of that. Or anything. They just don't sit on anything for long enough. It's just part of the background. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Complaining commentary, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other things that I thought didn't work out well they were really some of the music cues on this were laughable they're just <laughs> i didn't notice the music I, at all there was one especially in the the exposition where they're talking about the history of the demon coming out there was one music cue that just made me laugh because it was so loud singing in latin all of a sudden like this is evil now listen to the music yeah it's evil yeah it's uh, there was that and then the last thing i wanted to say was they really did hold back on showing the nun's face the the evil nun yeah like we we haven't really talked about the nun at all we've just been saying Vlock, but you know and i'm pretty the, sure she's a he that nun looks like a dude <laughs> pretty heavily i'm um, just right so it, is that a dude i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna we'll get on to my computer and look okay but they they hold back on showing the evil nun to good effect it was i thought they did a good job and showed some restraint you really don't they really don't show her face until really towards the very end and then at the very end you know she's literally strangling sister irene and stuff so you get plenty of stuff like that and there's only a couple times before then where it's jump scare nun jumping out at you with 
a contorted CGI'd mouth with fangs and stuff. Yeah, gone are the days of really showing the the antagonist. I mean, it really works best in slashers, I guess. Um, but even and and we got Halloween coming up, which will be, I think, a return to seeing the antagonist a lot. But yeah, it, it's they they were very sparse in using their most effective thing, which is a horrifying nun. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a good move, and then again, when I was reading some other reviews of the nun, people are complaining about it. There wasn't enough nun in it. We need more. We're gonna need more nun. <laughs> so, anyways, um, who do you think would like this? Uh, I think fans of the the Conjuring um, franchise uh, will will at least appreciate the the movement of the story and the fleshing out of you know uh, Valak. Uh, Valak seems to be the um, becoming the the kind of the focus of that this franchise now. So I think this is probably a pretty integral part. I, I think they have the Nun Two planned. I know they have another Conjuring planned and another Annabelle planned. I kind of wish they'd branch out a little bit more. Um, but I think the I think you know fans of the franchise would like it. I think if you like jump scares, this you know it, not not terrible jump scares either. Pretty pretty decent ones. Um, if you I, I, if you're not a fan of uncomfortable, of being a little bit uncomfortable. Well, you probably shouldn't be listening too much to this podcast, or maybe this podcast is the only place that you can can find respite from that kind of kind of like feel like you actually like you did get to watch it and not have to deal with the 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 terror of the actual movie. But um, yeah, if, if you don't like feeling uncomfortable, maybe just listen to our podcast instead of watching this movie. Yeah, don't watch this movie. Just subscribe to our podcast. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's. It's a great general audience horror movie. I, I can't think of anyone that would normally choose to see a horror movie that wouldn't like this movie. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's a, pretty, it's a serviceable movie. It's better than average yeah. general audience horror. So I think pretty much anyone. I can't I can't think of anyone that would. I mean, if you really really despise jump scares, then I guess don't see it. Yeah. So I have who played the nun. It's Bonnie Aarons, who... Okay, you apologize for Bonnie, to Bonnie Aarons for well, calling her a man. I mean, you can, I mean, you can just go to her bio here on IMDb if you'll take a look over this way. Take a look at this. That, she does not look too far away from The Nun. I mean, she looks like The Nun. She was also in uh, The Fighter, you know, with... Mm. Um, Amy uh, Adams. Yeah, with Amy Adams. And uh, wasn't uh, Patrick Bateman uh, uh, American Psycho? Uh, oh, Christian Bale. Wasn't Christian Bale in The Fighter? Yeah. 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 He was the brother. All right. So that's um, do with that review what you will. I liked it. David yeah, I was li- amb- ambivalent about it. But, I mean, it's worth seeing if you like horror movies. It's what's out right now. So. Yeah, and it's worth seeing if you like the series. So, there you go. Now, taglines brought to you by That Bad Relative by Postmates. Are you hosting a Christmas party that just isn't wrapping up quickly enough and Aunt Lydia moved to Chicago last year? 
No problem. Just text Postmates with the pr- product code UNBEARABLE, and we will have a bad relative there in no time to make everyone rethink their enjoyable evening. I love the end part of that clip where he's like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) it's my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) So taglines is a game that we play where we come up with new taglines for the movie that we think are a little bit better than the movie's marketing people came up with. Uh, how, do you like your taglines for this uh, for the nun? Uh, I, I kind of like. I, I'm pretty confident about my taglines this this round. Most of mine are just terrible puns. Okay, I mean that's that's the great ones. Okay, <laughs> I, I <laughs> Those disagree. Are the ones I like. Okay, you can go first. Okay, the nun back in the habit <laughs> of fear. <laughs> I laughed too soon. I already liked it. <laughs> of fear. Well, that's the you know back in the habit. Yeah. I from from Sister Act Two. Whoopee. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got it right away. Why do you think I laughed so fast? Um so uh if you ever find yourself wondering what kind of fun a priest has, the answer is none. (laughs) Hey (laughs) I like it. All right. The nun. The second scariest thing about the Catholic Church. (laughs) <laughs> did you see that clip of of somebody on a morning show giving bill burr a rough time for for being hard on the catholic church and he's like oh you think i was too hard on the catholic church i mean don't you think they're a little hard on all those boys that they got the molested yeah i mean if <laughs> i don't think they should have thin skin really right uh, love, yeah that was great and he was like yeah, they did it, and they just move them all around, and the morning show is like... I don't like... know what you're talking about. And he's like, yeah, I know. It's a morning show. I get it. You got to pretend you don't know what, what the hell I'm talking about, yeah. but everybody else does. Yeah. The nun. What is black and white and red all over? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> dot, right. dot, dot. Ellipses. <laughs> there we go. Uh, the Okay, this is another one. The nun. Remember when priests were the heroes? <laughs> Just to, just ripping on the Catholic just Church. Ripping on the Catholic I approve. Church. Yeah. I approve. Well, I love in the in the movie the the when they are in the Vatican. The Vatican's like, "Yep, we got our secrets." <laughs> hey, oh, we bring a whole new meaning to mass hysteria. Mass? Eh? Eh? I Catholic. like it. I like it. Um, the nun, the scariest looking nun since the Sister Act two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like it. Crucifixes don't mean shit. <laughs> okay, I got two more. Uh, the nun. None on none. None on none crime. Yeah, right. it was none on none None on none. I was going to say hot none on none action. Ooh. I like that one better. Yeah. Hot none on none action. Yeah. And <laughs> the nun. You should probably get that floor fixed. <laughs> Uh, we need a uh, we need a, a a stone guy a stonemason in here pronto. <laughs> you know, I, I want to say 
that uh, this movie would have been substantially shorter uh, if they just sent. Not that it was long. I'm just saying it would have been a much shorter movie if they just sent Hellboy to deal with this. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. Right, right. This is the kind of thing that Hellboy would deal with in short order. A quick, a quick up, uppercut to the glass-jawed nun and a witty one-liner, and we're done. We're out. Right. Hellboy would have taken care of this way faster than the Catholic Church did, just FYI. So. Right. All right. Now, it came from social media. I don't have music for it. From Twitter, we got our first follower, which isn't us or our immediate friends. Um, so our last episode, we reviewed The Little Stranger, and yeah. yeah, we were confused about what was actually happening. Was it the ghost, or was it the... The protagonist? The protagonist that or was... was it, or was it, yeah. What, doing what stuff it? Self, subconsciously. So, at T Weirdling, the Weirdling, wrote to us on Twitter and said... Spoilers. Spoilers. For me, it's all explained in the poltergeist conversation. The ghost is real... But a broken off piece of his subconscious doing its own thing. That's the symbolism of the acorn break. He even said the part of him with ambition broke off that day. That's right. That was a great observation. That's a man who must have either read the book or a a summary. If you got that from the movie, damn. Yeah. Well played. And he says that that was his ambition running around in that house with the family. Um, and then he also retweeted us. He said, the boys at Orr movie talk did a decent job of describing how I felt above the little stranger. I think wasn't marketed right. I like the analogy that it's kind of like remains of the day went spooky. He saw remains of the day Aff- affirmation. Hey, don't, don't, don't come at me with that. I, <laughs> just cause I didn't see your <laughs> shitty movie. No, I do not recommend watching the remains of the day that <laughs> I watched that with Aaron. And that's one of the most boring and unsatisfying movies that i've ever watched are you sure because i've seen doubt (laughs) oh i love doubt Uh, doubt uh, was so much no this (laughs) i at the end of at the end of doubt i don't know i still have my doubt (laughs) it's like god damn it (laughs) Okay, last bit, we're going to do some horror movie news. Um, Not a ton has happened since last week, but um, actually I did find a ton of stuff to talk about. Yeah, yeah, you did. (laughs) So, Burt Reynolds died last Thursday at 82. So he's not a horror movie star, but he did star in Deliverance, one of the most (laughs) horrifying movies that I've ever watched. Yeah. I mean, you you can't not call Deliverance horror. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and that gets back to kind of the discussion that uh, that you started on that on that blog. What, what is a horror movie? Right. Which is, you know, I mean, people w- w- split hairs over that, but really, I think anything that's meant to make you feel uncomfortable, right, is a, is a horror movie, and, or or that does it. And and you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. All the things that I enjoy are things that make me feel a strong emotion. Music, movies. Like I don't want to walk away going that was that was a romp. <laughs> like I want to I want to experience a strong emotion, and I think that's why I like horror movies so much. Yeah, I think I agree. My Aaron, my wife, her probably one of her favorite genres is like madcap comedies, and that does nothing for me. It's it, there's nothing wrong with it. It just yeah, it just doesn't scratch any itch inside me. Yeah, I don't like silly. Yeah. 
like, ah, we're being, I don't know. When I was younger, I did. But now I'm on to bigger, better things like now, the nun. Yeah, now I, <laughs> <laughs> now I just want to be emotionally manipulated in a strong way. Right. Now I just want you to toy with my emotions most expertly. Um, before so, the nun, I saw a trailer for Assassination Nation coming out. I've not even heard about this movie, and I know for the last month I've been looking for movies that are coming out, and I haven't seen it. And it's coming out September twenty first. This looked like this month the Purge ripoff. This looked like a ripoff of the Purge. Right. It was very. It looked like it could be going very tongue in cheek and satire yeah it looked like it could be uh, a, a a a horror comedy right but comedic horror it didn't it didn't go that route very hard in the trailer but i wouldn't be surprised the i know joel McHale's in it yeah and, which i'm excited about yeah. i love me some joel McHale. and also uh if you're a fan of horror movies bill skarsgård yeah is in it he plays pennywise in it yeah he's the, the brother he's the brother of the uh, the other Skarsgård who's in True Blood, who my wife would ditch me for in a moment. Um, coming out this week is The Predator. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> There's been a little drama. I, I read um, Shane Black cast his friend in a bit part. Shane Black is the director? Shane Black is the director yeah. and writer, I think. Um, he cast a friend in... Some part, it was like a three-page scene, and apparently Olivia Munn found out that he was a sexual predator. Olivia Munn was in the The movie. friend who he yeah. cast. Um, so Black said, I personally chose to help a friend, uh, he said in a written statement. I can understand others might disapprove, as his conviction was on a sensitive charge and not to be taken lightly. Um but he said that he long believed that uh, Strigel, his friend, was caught up in a bad situation versus something lecherous. And so it makes it seem like, oh, he's, he's like, oh, it's just a misunderstanding. It's one of those wrongful... He just peed in public. Yeah. But no, he, he actually served like a six-month prison term. Irony! A predator is being cast in Predator? Mm-hmm. This is, uh, this is uh, two on the nose. Right. A little apropos. So this is this is the little bit of inf- information. Um, in March 2009, uh, arrest warrant affidavit identifies the th- 14-year-old... Um, only, only as, as Jane, Jane Doe. Doe. Um, she alleges that physical contact, including kissing, touching... Doe's breast over her clothes, rubbing her legs and stroking her neck on several occasions. Oh man! Stragle told her, told the girl that in email messages that there's no one in the world you'd rather have sex with. <laughs> I will be very honest. There's no question that it's you. None. Hope that doesn't totally freak you out. And Ugh. just because it's what you want, <sighs> why are you ruining Predator for me? <laughs> predator tagline to catch a predator. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is this is this is tainting my experience of the movie that I'm most looking forward to already. Yeah. Well, anyways, they they completely cut his scene. The oh, okay. the studio oh. completely cut it out. Okay, good. Now um, I can enjoy it with impunity. But it was funny in the in the articles about it. Shane Black was like, "Oh, it's not a it was not a big deal." And then you read a little more, and and the, the way like the, a huge deal. Actually, the way the friend describes it was. 
like oh you know i wasn't convicted for any like actual thing it was just through through email messages i didn't actually do anything but then the victim alleges that he did so actually just the most run-of-the-mill creepy sexual predator was in the predator so but not now not now he was cut out uh zombieland 2 is to start shooting in january in atlanta long time coming on that one yeah uh i thought that one did pretty well it was it's definitely it was definitely received well right um oh yeah i mean if they're making a sequel it must have made decent amounts of cash that was during the heyday of that uh, social media um actor what who is he, he he's the main character the 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 young lad in zombie land um oh oh um yeah the social the the social network the social network thank you and a few other um a few other movies that he was in all kind of um capitalizing on his kind of dry right delivery yeah so that so a little bit of information about the plot the group will face a new zombie threat as a new breed of zombie has developed this new super zombie type is faster bigger and stronger than previous strain of zombies and harder to kill these super zombies have started group, grouping up into a horde going from city to city, leaving a path of destruction behind them. Better make sure to... That, that's a great movie because it's like a how-to, a, a how-to dispose of zombies movie. Like, as, as, part, of, as part of the story, they go through all the, all the, the things you need to do to survive in a, in a zombie right. scenario. Double tap. Always make sure, even if they're down, you gotta shoot them in the head. Yeah. It's very yeah. Zombieland was great stylistically. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Yeah, who was the girl in that? Was that wasn't Emma Watson? Was it? No, I can't remember. Who I it was know. it was somebody memorable? My kind of memorable. There's no way of knowing. There's no way of knowing. We only are surrounded by computers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that they're shooting in Atlanta. Atlanta must be just the Silicon Valley of of zombie movies yeah, because they have The Walking Dead there. There must be just Hot half Atlanta. of half of the population of Atlanta must work as extras for zombie movies at this point. Well, I think I mean aren't 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 a lot of the MCU, the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe movies shot in Atlanta on like giant sound. I think they have some pretty impressive oh, yeah. sound stages and like just pr- production uh places in Atlanta now because it's it's just so much more favorable. Yeah. To to make a profit on movies when you shoot them in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, another announcement. Daredevil stunt double and fight choreographer is going to make his directorial debut with a zombie movie called Outbreak Z. Um, so he was... I don't have his name written down because I'm not a good journalist. But um, So he's the stunt choreographer on Daredevil... The Netflix series and fight choreographer for Ant-Man and the Wasp. He aims to fill its cast with renowned stunt doubles and performers as its leads. It's an action-oriented take on the zombie genre. Sounds interesting. It does sound interesting, but... I mean, the only other movie that I can think of having stunt doubles in the leads was um, Death Proof. Okay, yeah, Death Proof. Also, pretty much any, any movie with tom cruise in it he's he is he mostly is his own, his own, stunt, double. His own yeah. stunt double yeah um 
some of the stuff he does where they show the behind scenes shots of him actually doing that stuff, it's scary. Like, I wouldn't do that. And he's like, yeah, I have to do it. It has to look real. And it might just be that he has a death wish to get out of Scientology. (laughs) (laughs) Am I on a... Oh, no. Now I'm on a blacklist. Oh, no. Take me, Xenu. (laughs) Xenu, take the wheel. (laughs) Um... Last bit, uh, this is more uh, for me. I'm sure there's listeners that care. Tom York, single from Suspiria, is released. Uh, title track is called Suspirium. Um, I, I think everybody it. will be in, interested in this. Yeah. Suspiria is a very, like, people are waiting for this movie. Yeah. Tom, uh, Quentin Tarantino said he uh, cried during the screening of Suspiria. Yeah. I, I so imagine, hopefully tears of joy and not tears of sorrow for them ruining the original. I imagine it will be it will be moving. Like uh, the last movie that I can remember being very upset by, um, like actually just just not. Well, I guess it would be eighth grade um, would be the actual last movie that really just had me physically uncomfortable was uh, Mother, and mm. uh, and I kind of. I'm getting that vibe from the trailers in Suspiria yeah. where it's going, this is going to be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. So Tom York is doing the music for is, is the music director for Suspiria. And I really like the music that's in the trailer. Yeah. It's, it's going to be good. Who, who's his bandmate who does Johnny Greenwood, Johnny Greenwood, Johnny and, Greenwood's the lead guitarist of Radiohead and Tom York is the lead vocalist of Radiohead. And he does, he does, he has been, has a history of doing movie soundtracks. Yeah. Johnny Greenwood has done a couple really big movies. He did, there will be blood. Oh man, the best movie soundtrack. And I think he did all of the the uh Paul Thomas Anderson movies after that. So there will be blood, probably The Master, probably um Mother. That's that's right up there with um oh boy. Um Wait, is that PT Anderson? No, that was uh the other director that I like. Yeah, you give Darren you, Aronofsky. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky the who did mother you give you give these really these you know well-versed musicians some room you know these guys from radio had some some room to play around and you're gonna get right. like it's gonna make the movie basically i mean right. there will be blood that is strong yeah so anyways you can go on youtube and look that up i would play it but i don't want to get copyright strike or anything yeah. i'm not too familiar with uh copyright not but- that it keeps me from playing monty python the the last thing oh and saint attila raised the hand grenade up on high saying "O lord bless this thy hand grenade that with it thou mayst blow thine enemies to tiny bits in thy mercy that was actually the end of the nun amen (laughs) uh so the final thing i'd like to talk about is something that uh that uh someone said to me recently uh, I was, we were talking about, uh, inter, interpersonal relationship, uh, things. And I, and I kind of had this, like, I had this moment where I realized that everybody kind of feels, no matter how old you are, everybody kind of feels like, like a kid. Uh, you know how, how, no matter how old you are, you just kind of like, you go, oh, well, I still feel like a kid inside and, and you still kind of act like a kid. Yeah. And so you're I, surprised that this is what 35 
feels like. It's still 16. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so in this conversation, I, I said, I said to him, I said, um, you know how everyone feels like a kid? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I feel like a kid. And he's like, yeah, I can relate to that. And I was like, do you feel like a kid? And he's like, no. I was like, well, why does this guy feel like, I was like why is this why guy? Why do you get like to not feel like a kid? What do you feel like? He's like, I feel like an adult. I was like, oh, okay, but why? And he's like, my parents are dead. Now, that, it took a moment for that to hit me fully. <laughs> but but when it hit me, I was like, damn, that yeah. is some deep shit. And, and, I, and then I was like, okay, well, can you elaborate or something? And he's like, oh, well, you know. As long as your parents are alive, someone there's someone there to console you, like when things go wrong or when something's scary or, you know, or if you have to complain about something, you can look up, you know, you can look up to your parents and be like, mom, and she'll be like, everything's okay. And as long as you have that feeling, that like reassurance in the back of your head that you can look up to your parents, you're going to feel like a kid. And, uh, and I lost my parents. So... Um, everybody I talk to now is either a peer or a child who I have to help grow up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that's so simple, but it explains so much of my psyche yeah. and everyone's psyche. Yeah. And, and the convert, we, we talked about this before, but in the context of the conversation, they were talking about someone else that David was interacting with. And the question was like, why he's acting like a child kind of or is is it the way to to interpret it does and, he feel this way too and and the, he says yeah yeah because his parents are still alive it's like oh damn like and it it's makes just a perfect great sense. great lens to view people's personality and, and he, through. he just rattled it off like it wasn't the yeah. thing and to me it just blew my mind anyway so i thought that was interesting let us know if you think any part of this episode is interesting, <laughs> hit us up on social media, on Facebook, on our website. There's a spot on behind on the back end of every one of our um, of our posts that where you can leave a comment on our website. We will of course respond to you right away, and would be more than happy to you know to talk to you about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, let us know what you thought about The Nun. Where does it lay in the Conjuring series for you? Um, I mean, personally, out of the ones that I saw, I like this one the most. Probably more situational than anything, but I, I liked it a lot. Um, a lot of people said it's the second worst one out of all of them. I think, so I, would agree, I, think I would agree with that. Yeah? Yeah. Well, let us know in, in Facebook or on Twitter. Thanks again to the... Let's see... The Weirdling for messaging us on Twitter and letting us know what the real interpretation of The Little Stranger was. Um, you have any spe special thanks? Um, just everyone I've been talking to, been talking to um, Mark a lot about, uh, about you know, what makes horror movies scary for him. And uh, and it, it, I think I can relate to to what he said, uh, which is you know things that are relevant to me. It's hard for me to be scared of space stuff, uh, although Alien is scary as shit to me. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, uh, just uh, anybody who's talking to me, I'm gonna thank about this stuff for that week. So yep. thank you, Mark and Garrett, for going to the movie with me. Thanks again. Please uh, subscribe and uh, leave a review on iTunes. Um, we love the feedback, and it helps us out. Um, 
This, this was, was Horror Movie Talk. Bye-bye. Horror Movie Talk. Bye-bye.